Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter four. And let's look at verse one. I'm going to read it to you in a couple translations. We'll start with the New King James and we'll jump over to the New Living. First Timothy 4, verse 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. It says, now the Spirit, that's a capital S, so that's the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God. So we're not just talking about any spirit or any unfamiliar spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that Jesus promised to send and to give to us. And he said that he would abide with you forever, right? So there's no uh, timetable on this thing. There's no limitation. There's no cancellation. There's no end of the contract. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell with us forever. But it says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in latter times. How many of you believe we're in those latter times? We're in the end times. We are in, we're, we're in the closing days, so to speak. And so he's talking about right now, and he says, in the latter times. So the closer we get, the further people will fall away. The closer we get to the day, the closer we get to the end times, the closer that we get to the, the culmination of this thing, we're going to see more and more of those fall away. Now, that's not talking about the world. Because you can't fall away if you weren't once near, okay? So we're talking about unbelie- we're talking about believers that once believed a thing. We're talking about believers that once knew a thing. We're talking about believers that once heard a thing. They we're talking about believers that once did a thing, okay? We're talking about those that were once near. They were far. They were brought near. They heard, they believed, they lived, they did, they were taught. Just as we saw on Sunday that you are learning Christ. We are discovering. You realize that's what this new life in Jesus is all about. It's discovering who you really are. It's discovering what you really have. It's discovering what you're capable of. It's discovering who your father is. It's discovering what battle we're fighting. It's discovering, this is a discovery that we are on. That is what we are on. That, this journey is a discovery of what's already there. God isn't making you more righteous or making you a better person. Jesus doesn't have to go back to the cross and do anything else for you. It's all done in the spirit. And now we are just discovering what's really available to us. And I don't know about you, I don't want to end that discovery. I don't want to end that journey. I want to discover all that God has. I don't want to just get the tip of the iceberg and say, okay, that's good enough, or get halfway and say, man, I've got enough, and, you know, I've I've met my quota. I want to keep journeying and discovering and growing all that I need to understand and learn and grow into until I'm done, until we're done here and we can move on to the next thing that God has for us. But in these latter times, some will depart meaning they were once near, they fell away, will depart from the faith. So we're talking about the faith in God. We're talking about living as a Christian, as a believer. That's what that is talking about. Falling away or departing from 
the faith. But notice what it says here. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. So the Spirit says, the Holy Spirit says, that some will fall away or depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. So what's that mean? That means that at one time they were listening to one spirit, and now they began listening to another spirit. Now, the tough thing about deceiving spirits is they're deceptive. So you don't know if you're following a deceiving spirit. It's hard to tell someone that's deceived they're deceived. Because when you're deceived, you believe that what you're doing is the truth. You believe that what you're believing is the truth. You believe that's why it's deceived. You're not deceived if you're one of these, I know I'm not living for God, I don't want to. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that believe they're still fighting for the cause of Christ and they're still moving forward in the things of God, but yet they're not. So they started out believing the Spirit, following the Spirit, listening to the Spirit. But now they began to give heed, which means that a deceiving spirit didn't just come in and trick them. Giving heed. That means they gave up a little ground somewhere. That means they tolerated something somewhere. That means they allowed something in that was contradictory somewhere. Remember, we've talked about this. When when conditioning shows up, it, it shows up in small forms. You wouldn't believe it if the door just if the devil just came in and knocked your door down and said, Don't follow God, follow me. Remember what, what the devil gave Adam and Eve to trick them and deceive them? You would think that the the snake, the enemy of God, would come in and deceive Adam and Eve with evil. But he deceived them or tricked them by dangling something in front of them that they thought was God. And so this is how this happens, is we begin to allow things things in that are not of God, but we accept it as if it is God. Remember, what did, the, what did the devil tell them? If you eat of this fruit, you will become like. He dangled becoming more like God. Not walking away from God. And ultimately that's what happened because trying to become more like God outside of God only draws you away from God. But he dangled it. You'll be more like God. You'll be better than you are now. You'll be a better version of yourself. That's how this deception creeps in. That's how deception takes over is we buy little lies. We buy little lies. If Adam and Eve would have maintained their obedience to the word that God had spoken, the snake would have had no authority over them. He didn't come in and knock their door down. He didn't come in and, and, and you know, blow them away with evil and, and you know, get them to succumb to something, uh, you know, that was you know, obviously evil. He tricked them and deceived them with something that they thought they were becoming more like God. That's how this deception shows up. In these last days, people were departing from the faith, giving heed, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, demon doctrines. I mean, think about that, doctrines of, of demons. Why would I accept a doctrine of demons? 
because it's disguised as a doctrine of God. It's believing something that even just a little bit doesn't align with this. Even just a little bit is, is a bend. Is, is, this is why the, the accuracy and the integrity of the word of God is so important. This is why being in a word church is so important. Because we don't have time to believe anything other than what the Bible shows us. There's a lot of great resources, a lot of great authors, a lot of great pastors and ministers, a lot of great commentaries, but it's got to align with the word, not the other way around. I don't look for things to try to bend and shape, and and we've got to be careful because it happens in small little bits, little pieces that we accept along the way, and before you know it, we're buying into doctrines of demons, doctrines that do not fall in line with God's original doctrine. In the In the New Living Translation, this is how this verse reads. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 in the New Living. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly, clearly. That word expressly in the New King James is the word clearly. The Holy Spirit is not here to offer confusion. The Holy Spirit clarifies. The Holy Spirit makes simple. The Holy Spirit helps you understand. The Holy Spirit is in your life not to bring more confusion. I feel like the church today is so confused about the Holy Spirit. What is he really here to do? How does he really operate? What does he really look like? And we've allowed things and tolerated things that we call the Holy Spirit, but they weren't the Holy Spirit. They wasn't the Holy. It was flesh. It was man. But the Holy Spirit, his agenda and his job description is clearly outlined in the Bible. When Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16, he was introducing the the next man, the next man up, so to speak. Jesus was going to heaven, and he told his disciples, it's to your advantage that I what? Go. That sounds crazy. You're better off without me is what he's saying. You're better off. Some of us might have told a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that, ah, you're better off without me. <laughs> Trust me, it's, it's not you, it's me, right? Give them that whole talk. Jesus was saying, you're better off without me because if I don't leave, he can't come and reside and abide with you. And then he introduces his disciples to this person of the Holy Spirit, not a a, a spiritual presence, not a power. The Holy Spirit has a presence. The Holy Spirit has power, but the Holy Spirit is a person. But we don't treat the Holy Spirit like a person. Because if if he's a person, then, then you can talk to him. He can talk to you. And the Holy Spirit has feelings. The Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will remind us of things that Jesus said. He said that the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own initiative. So telling somebody else that the Holy Spirit is saying something that can't be backed up by Scripture is unscriptural. It can't can't be done. The Holy Spirit does not go off on his own tangent. Now, this is what the Father said, but let me put it to you in my terms. No. He will literally only convey what the Father's already said. So these are markers. These are things that help us 
understand how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. And they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. This word clearly means unmistakable, vivid, unquestionable. Unmistakable, vivid, and unquestionable. Unmistakable, vivid, and unquestionable. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to you and I. And the Holy Spirit is even unquestionably and vividly and unmistakably alerting us and telling us that's danger. That's a doctrine of demon. That's not what my father said. That's not who I am. That's not what my my God has for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He clearly articulates. There's no confusion. Is that the Holy Spirit or not? No, you will know it's the Holy Spirit. And I want to help us know it's the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I want us to walk out of here with an utmost confidence of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. I remember Brother Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin said this before he passed on. He said, one of the most dangerous things that's going to happen to a believer is they will fail to be led by the Spirit. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to the believer is they will fail to be led by the Spirit. And I get it. There's a lot vying for your attention, isn't there? There's a lot out there. In these last days, when it is even more important that we are led by the Holy Spirit, we have so many things contending for our time, for our attention, for our focus, for our ears, for our decision-making. Which means we're going to have to work harder I'd venture to say we have to work harder than Paul did at being led by the Spirit. I don't know. He may correct me on that when I get to heaven. You know, I had to work. I mean, he came up against some pretty tough obstacles. But I'll just tell him, Paul, you didn't have Facebook. Right? You didn't have Instagram. You didn't have CNN and ESPN and Fox News. And and you didn't have all these different agendas and plans and narratives and rhetorics and all these other things that were trying to buy for your time. There's so many things today that want want to slowly, not a hard 90, but slowly get you to slant off of what God's word says. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is saying the same thing to us that he was saying to Paul. The Holy Spirit's saying the same thing to us 2,000 years later that he was saying to the early church when they were just getting started. The same thing. But these deceiving spirits, these doctrines of demons, these, this, this, all those are is diversions to get at your attention, to get you to follow a different plan than what God has for you. And so we've got to become proficient at following the Holy Spirit. I like to put it this way. What you are led by determines what you are led to. What you are led by determines what you are led to. Where you end up is determined by who you follow to get there. Right? I don't know about you. I want a guide that knows where he's going. (laughs) You You don't want to go on a tour when the guide says, let's go see what's around this corner. 
Never been down this path. I hope it works out. Hope this gets us where we're going. I hope, you know, you paid me these big bucks. I hope we end up where we're hoping to get there. No, you want a guide that's been there. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's been there. The Holy Spirit's been there. Well, I don't know if I should send my kids to school this fall. The Holy Spirit's been there. He's been there. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if we should go here. I don't know if I should accept that. He's been there. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Don't put a poll on Facebook. Don't get your top 10. Don't get, you ask 10 different people and get 10 different answers. <laughs> and none of them know. They don't know. No, I want to be led by the Spirit. That doesn't, te- that doesn't mean that I can't receive a word from God from another person, but I want a word from God from a person that has submitted themselves to the Holy Spirit themselves. Right? I, I, need, I need to know that you're hearing from God because we need to hear from God. He's speaking clearly. He's speaking unmistakably. He's speaking vividly. He is speaking unquestionably. In unmistakable words, the clearest language is what this word expressly implies. The clearest language. Now, that might contradict the Holy Spirit you've grown up knowing or understanding. That might contradict what you have ever heard about the Holy Spirit. I thought he was just, you know, this this vapor or this atmosphere or we had to sing just the right song or we had to do just the right thing or we had to spend hours in a prayer. No, the Holy Spirit wants, you know, if the Holy Spirit's not directing you and leading you and guiding you, he's not doing his job. <laughs> you realize that? He is failing at the one assignment he's been given. But there's some things that we can do. There are some things that we can do. So let's look at this. There's three ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. We're going to blast through the first two so I can get to the third one. There's three ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. Number one, born of the Spirit. Simply being born of the Spirit. We need to be born of the Spirit. What does that mean? That means when I come into the kingdom of God, again, submitting my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside me. And he helps me produce the character or the culture of the kingdom. I am now born of the Spirit. I'm born of a different kingdom. That means I don't have to live as my former self, as we discovered on Sunday, the former conduct, putting off the old man. But the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside me and he helps me produce the fruit of the Spirit. Because the world doesn't produce love. The world produces hate. But the Holy Spirit comes inside and says, hey, I got a fruit. I got a fruit for you, love, joy instead of depression, peace instead of fear, goodness and gentleness and self-control. So when we're born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside us, indwells us, so we can begin to live out this new culture, this new character of the kingdom of God. That's the first way the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. The second way that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer is being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. And this can also be termed having the Holy Spirit come upon you. So born of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming within you. And you receive that at the point of salvation. You have the Holy Spirit. 
just to give you a marker, in John chapter 21, after Jesus uh, rose again from the dead, he went to his disciples, and you might recall that he breathed on them. Y'all remember that? And he said what? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. That was their salvation. That was their marker right there where they came under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because remember, they couldn't be born again prior to him dying on the cross. To be born again, you have to believe that he died and that he rose again. And so in that moment, he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit, but they were not filled with the Holy Spirit until they, until the day of Pentecost. So remember, he breathed on them, receive you the Holy Spirit, and then what are his instructions? Go and tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. If I received him here, why do I have to wait for him there? Because we're not done. You've received the, the Holy Spirit indwelling you by salvation. The old man is gone. The new has come. Now you need to know how to produce this new character, the fruit of the Spirit. Live like the kingdom now. But there's more. But wait, there's more. Jesus got his little infomercial going on. He says, I need, to, I need you to go and wait. He told that to 500 people. Only 120 showed up in an upper room. And what are they doing? They're just praying and they're just waiting. They don't even know what they're asking for. They don't even know what they're believing for. And the Holy Spirit comes, and he comes upon them. Right? A, a, a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. There was no wind, but there was a sound as of. Tongues as of fire. There was no fire, but it was tongues as of fire. And then they what? They began to speak, each one, in another language. As the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Now, out of those three markers, the one that is repeated every single time someone is filled with the Holy Spirit is they receive another language. Every single time throughout the book of Acts. Every single time they began to speak with new tongues. They began to speak in another language. Jesus even promised us that we would speak with new tongues. Along with this, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon came power. Power to do what? Power to do everything Jesus did. I said power to do everything Jesus did. Well, that sounds crazy. Jesus said it himself. John chapter 14, verse 12. These works that I do, marvel at them because you'll never get a chance to do it. No. These works that I do, you will do. And then he even puts this little tag on it. And even greater works. Could you imagine the disciples' eyes bugging out? Whoa, wait a minute. Multiplying food, walking on water, commanding fig trees to wither, raising the sick, raising the dead, blind eyes opening. I mean, think about every miracle you can think of that Jesus performed. And he says, these works you will do and even greater. Now, not greater in, you know, quality, greater in quantity. Because where Jesus was one man performing all those miracles, now we've got a bunch of Jesuses flooding this earth, empowered. If, the, if, if, if Jesus had to have the Holy Spirit to do what he did, who are we to think we don't? You realize Jesus didn't do one work until he was baptized in water, and when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came, descended upon him 
like a dove, as a dove, there was no dove, but like a dove, the Holy Spirit is not a bird. Let's just clarify. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to the pet store tonight. Get me one of them white doves, put it in the cage. I got the Holy Spirit. It don't work that way. The Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove. He didn't do one miracle. I used to picture little 12-year-old Jesus, you know, laying hands on people in middle school. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Why? Because he had to be empowered by the same Holy Spirit that he promised to you and I. Y'all with me? Because, well, we need this. We need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. I need his power. And then also with that came boldness, a supernatural, uncommon boldness. Peter, the same man that denied Jesus three times, not just once, not just twice, three times, even to the point that he was cussing at the people that were saying he, he didn't even want to be associated with Jesus. He's the one that preaches on the day of Pentecost. That's uncommon boldness. Uncommon. It will change your witness. Isn't that what Jesus said would happen when the Holy Spirit came upon you? You will be what? My witnesses. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It means all over the world. You're going to help this message spread, but not until you receive the Holy Spirit, until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 Um, You can just jot this down, but Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, verses 18 and 19, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. This is the New Living Translation. But verse 19 says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is an ongoing filling. This isn't a one-time, come get your fill. This is a be being filled. Be in a perpetual state of being filled. You know what that tells me? I can be drained. That tells me that if I don't continue to give it attention, that I will wane in being filled with the Spirit. That it doesn't just stay there. Some of us had that initial act. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles had the initial act of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Only two chapters later, they were being filled with the Holy Spirit again in Acts chapter 4. You know why? Because they went before the court. Their lives were on the line. They almost lost their lives right there. We only got the four chapters into Acts, and they're already on the, on the judgment seat. And it said they went back to their own company, and it says that the Holy Spirit visited the place, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait, the same ones that just got in Acts chapter 2? Yeah. See, we go through things that cause us to wane and cause us to drain. So we need to be refilled. That's what these refresh nights have been all about. You know, the first Wednesday of the month that we've been partaking of, it's that that refilling. And what a year to need some refreshing. Tell me that wasn't the Holy Spirit. 2020, y'all needed that refreshing, right? I mean, every month, some of y'all are like, can we just do it every Wednesday? Because it's about seven days and I need another feeling. You got to learn to do it yourself. 
You don't have to come here to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can get it in your car. You can get it in your shower. And it doesn't mean all the time that it's crazy stuff on the outside, but don't be afraid of the crazy stuff on the outside. Laughing uncontrollably, some of y'all need to laugh. Dancing, singing, running. I mean, I've been to some crazy Holy Ghost services, and I'm not here to say it was all the Holy Spirit, but sometimes you just got to do something in, in the flesh, in the natural, that, that just tells your flesh and your body, you don't control me. And if I want to dance, I'll dance. And I might not feel like dancing, but I'm going to dance anyways. I'm going to shout anyways. I'm going to rejoice anyways. Come on. You need your spirit made on the inside to start telling your flesh on the outside what's going to happen and quit allowing your flesh to dictate all the time. This ain't no time to dance. We're in a pandemic. I'm dancing anyways. Dance in my house. Shelter in place. I'll dance in place. Run in place. Shout in place. Come on. Tired of our flesh controlling us. You got to feel it. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate by feelings. In fact, most of the time, when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, it's when you feel like doing the very opposite. Think Paul and Silas felt like singing at midnight in jail with their backs spread wide open, just awaiting to be murdered the next day? You thought you think that's what they felt like doing? You know what, Silas? I think this is a great time to sing a song. I mean, I just can't think of a better time. Sitting in this dungeon, awaiting death for following God. No. Their flesh doesn't feel like singing, but what did they do? They sang. And thank God they did. It set a lot of people free, especially the jailer who was the most broke of them all. The one outside the jail cell was the one ready to kill himself. But he came to Christ. His whole family was converted because they they were led and followed the Holy Spirit. They said that Acts chapter 2 experience was not enough. We need an Acts chapter 4 experience. We need an Acts chapter 9 experience. We need an Acts chapter 10 experience. We need an Acts chapter 16. That was chapter 16. That was 14 chapters after the initial one. And they said, we're going to do it again. If it worked back there in that upper room, it'll work right here in the middle of this jail cell. It doesn't matter where. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you something. Your coworkers need you to be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, they do. Your employees need you to be filled with the Spirit. Your employer needs you to be filled with the Spirit. Your kids need you to be filled with the Spirit. Mom, Dad, responding to our kids out of flesh because we're sick of them being around because they haven't gone to school in 18 years. Yeah. They need you to be filled with the Spirit to make some spirit-led decisions about what they, need, what they need to do. Amen? We need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. But the third way, and probably the most important way the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer is we are led by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit, that's an initial event. You can mark it down and put it on a calendar, write it in the front of your Bible, whatever you want to do. Put the time, the place, the date, who you're with. Being filled with the Spirit, that's ongoing. We need that to take place. 
but it's still eventual. But being led by the Spirit, this is a continual, ongoing process of the believer. There is never a moment we should not be led by the Spirit. What you are led by determines what you are led to. I'll just give you these verses for quick reference. John chapter 14, verse 25. We mentioned these earlier, but just so we can see them, put our eyes on them. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I don't know about you, but I need a helper. Anybody else realize you can't do it on your own? And not too proud to admit it, right? I can't raise these kids on my own. I can't be a spouse on my own. I can't get through this addiction on my own. I I can't do what I need to do on my, I need a helper. And guess what? God said, yeah, I know you need a helper. Quit fighting it. I've given you a helper, an assistant, a standby, somebody to come alongside you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and he will teach you. That means we need to be taught and bring to your remembrance. That means Jesus said something that we need to remember. John 15, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That means he will speak what I speak. He will say what I say. If you hear the Holy Spirit saying it, you can be convinced and confident that's what God's saying. There's never a partition there. There's never a division between what God says and what the Holy Spirit says, ever. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. One verse calls the helper or the Holy Spirit Uh, Jesus says, I will send to you another. That word another means one just like me. One just like me. So where the disciples had one Jesus that they traveled and walked around with that would teach them and show them things and reveal things to them and, and do great things. And Jesus even empowered his disciples. You go to Matthew chapter 10, he gave his disciples power to heal the sick and raise the dead and, and do the different things that Jesus himself was doing. Well, now instead of one man walking this planet doing those things, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in the life of the believer. And now we all share in that ability and that power to do what Jesus did on this earth. So where many of us would say, man, I sure wish Jesus was here. That's actually worse than what we have right now. Jesus walking this planet is a worse condition than we have a better covenant. 
We have a better position. We have the Holy Spirit, Jesus, embodied in the Spirit of God, dwelling inside of us, and now empowering you to do the very thing. Now we don't have to just sit and watch Jesus do it all. We can go and be the body of Christ and do what Jesus did. Y'all with me? So he says, it's to your advantage that I go, because if I don't go, then the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. John 16, verses 12 through 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Isn't that the worst when someone says, hey, I want to, ah, never mind, never mind. I, I, I can't tell you. No, 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 tell me, I want to know. No, 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 I, you, you can't handle it. No, really, I, I can handle it. And Jesus is saying, you can't handle it. But he goes on to say, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, now it puts us in a completely different position. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth, meaning that Jesus could say things, but they wouldn't be led to understand it. I mean, look, they didn't even comprehend all the times that he prophesied of his own death, burial, and resurrection, did they? they, they how many times did he tell them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over to my enemies. Three days later, I'm coming up out the grave. How many times did he spell this out for them? And they're like, uh, you're going to rebuild the temple in three days? And after he dies, what are they doing? They're hiding out, fearful. They weren't sitting around saying, now you remember what Jesus said. Now you remember, why? Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit to help them remember what Jesus said. But now you and I have what Jesus said and the Holy Spirit comes alongside and partners with us to help us understand. I can't tell you these things now, but man, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna open it all up to you. You see the difference? So we need the Holy Spirit. He's going to reveal these things. He says he will guide you into all truth. That means I can't understand truth without a guide. Just giving people truth. Anybody, anybody, have you ever witnessed to someone or tried to share something with someone and they just couldn't get it, just going over their head? You know what you got to do? Pray that the Holy Spirit comes alongside and imparts wisdom and knowledge and gives them revelation to open their eyes to see what you're saying. Because otherwise, it's falling on deaf ears. Otherwise, it's going before blind eyes. They have scales on their eyes. They cannot see. You got to pray that those scales come off. You got to pray that they uh, lend themselves to the Holy. And I'm talking believers. I remember one time, um, I've, I've probably told this story before, but I was working at a bank and and had this a uh, girl that I was working with, and man, she was a believer. We would talk about the word, and talk, you know, because you don't have very many. You know, when you find that other believer, you're like, oh, yeah, someone I can talk about church with. They love God, and da da da. And then we got into a subject of divine healing, divine health. And she's giving me every reason in the book why we can't believe for divine healing, and God even will put sickness on you to teach you something and to test you. The man on the inside, I'm just, oh, I'm like, oh, you see, no, that's not my God. He doesn't even have sickness to give to people. He only gives good things. I mean, for us, what kind of father would, your child asks for bread, you give him a stone, and he's a better God than that. 
He doesn't even have access to cancer. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he came to give life and life. And I'm trying to spell this out, man. And I remember I got angry. I was in my truck driving home screaming at myself. Just think, how can you not understand? I've shown you every verse. He took stripes on his back. For, what are you saying? Jesus' stripes weren't good enough? He has to go back and do it over again? What? I'm just I'm like screaming, slamming my steering wheel, just so angry. Got to have the Holy Spirit, man. I, 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 can, I can explain it to him blue, purple, green, red in the face. I, I can't convey this well enough. I, the Holy Spirit's got to come alongside and show you this. I can give you truth, but you need a guide. You need a guide. That, that, that truth is difficult to navigate without the guide. So I've got to be led. But guess what? If I'm going to be led, that means I have to submit to the leading. I have to submit to the leading. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will jag, drag you into all truth. It says it will lead you, guide you. That means you have to willfully follow. All right, Holy Spirit, show me. Open my eyes. Let me see this. In Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 1, Paul prayed for these churches that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. He prayed for the churches, prayed for, not for the unbelievers, that their eyes would be open. He was praying for believers, that they would see and know and comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the breadth and the length and the depth of the love of God. That passes all understanding. Wait a minute. It's beyond understanding, but I need to pray for understanding. That's how complex this is. So now you can see why it's so easily we slip into deception and deceiving spirits. How do I combat that? I don't know about you. I don't want to be a statistic in the last days. I don't want to fall in the doctrine of demons category. I don't want to be there. So we need a groundedness in the word of God. It's not up for debate. It's not up for opinion. We need to know what the word says. And, that's, and then from there, we've got to be led by his spirit into that word. We've got to be very careful what we found our sources on. Are you following a ministry? Are you following a man? Are you following an idea? Are you following? I remember the, 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 the young girl at the bank. She couldn't give me any references other than this is what Pastor so-and-so said. Well, my grandma, she loved the Lord. And I know that she was, I know that she believed God, but she died of cancer. And died of, experience doesn't trump the Holy Spirit. Pastors and teachers and apostles and, 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 and church leadership don't trump the Holy Spirit. Commentaries and books and resources don't trump the Holy Spirit. Churches with 30,000 member attendance don't trump the Holy Spirit. What are you leaning on? What are you citing? What is your source? What can you go to that you say, I'm grounded in this. This is my firm persuasion. This is what I'm building my faith in. Because otherwise, I am opening the door to becoming susceptible and vulnerable to deceiving voices. And in the last days, you know, there's another passage where Paul warns. And he says that 
in the last days, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Notice that. In the last days, there's not, there's not going to be this rarity of teaching. There's going to be a surplus of teaching. An overwhelming access to teaching. Aren't we there today? They've all got YouTube channels, and they've all got podcasts. And man, I mean, you could listen every second of the day, listen to a different person every second of the day. And I'm not telling you not to. I'm telling you, don't make them a substitute. There are supplements, and there are substitutes. I can take supplements for my body, but they are not designed to be a substitute for real food. I've had 15 protein shakes today. That's a supplement. I'm living off of creatine. That's all I need. I don't need steaks and potatoes and, and you know, the, the five food categories. My five food categories are creatine, protein, steroids. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, probably not a great diet. No, those are supplements that you can add to, but they are not designed to be the source of life. And our spiritual diet, man, if we're not careful, our spiritual diet, I've had people suggest more books to me in the last few weeks, but I wonder if those people are even in the Word. <laughs> Don't give me a book until you've read the Bible. Because you might find out your book ain't any good. I, I mean, just saying. I, I am, you're not going to stand before Jesus and say, well, Kenneth Hagin said. Well, Stephen Furtick said. Well, Pastor Mark said. You better not take what I'm preaching and try to go off of, there's seven sons of Sceva that are exhibit A for what happens when you say, uh, yeah, but that Paul guy, I know the Jesus that Paul knew. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going off his recommended. The demons went up in there and tore the boys up, running out naked. He said, uh, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> No, I don't, I don't want that. I, I don't want to know about the Holy Spirit. I want to know the Holy Spirit. Right? So let me give you three keys to being led by the Spirit. Three keys. Just three. Three keys. And for some of you, this might sound familiar. This is stuff that we've covered and talked about and taught before. But, you know, I just believe you know, if he says in latter times some will depart, I don't want to be the some will depart. I don't want to be the some will depart. I don't want to be that statistic. I don't want to fall into that category. I want to be the one that's remained steadfast with the word of God and remained steadfast with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit. If there's deceiving spirits that can lead, there's a Holy Spirit that can lead. And the scary thing is, is they can sound a lot alike unless we know this. So number one, how are we going to be? How are we going to be led by the Spirit of God? Number one, study and know the Word. Study and know the Word. It's amazing how many of us want to hear the voice of the Spirit, but we don't want to follow the voice of the Word. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is only speaking and leading you and guiding you into this. 
into this. It's dangerous when we say, I, I, I just need a word. I need a word. I, I need a new word. I, a new word for a new season. I'm in a new season. I need a new word. I need a new word. I need a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. You have the word. And how are you going to recognize what the Holy Spirit is saying if you can't go back to the source that even he is citing? This is where he's getting his content. This is where he's getting his stuff. Amen. So, if I want to become familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit, I got to become familiar with what he's speaking. And this is the content right here. To study and know the word. And yeah, study. I know that's not a popular 2020 term. I know skim is probably more in the 2020 category. Right? Skim the word. Got that audio book, Genesis on audiobook. Right? I listen to it as I'm doing something else. But there's something about studying, giving it your full attention, not allowing any distraction. I mean, doesn't that just sound painful right now? No distractions. You know how hard it is for me to eliminate distractions? You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You have to get rid of the distractions. That's number two. Get rid of distractions. Number one, study and know the word. Number two, get rid of distractions. You know what I've learned about the Holy Spirit is he's not going to shout over all the stuff that I allow to accumulate my brain. He won't do it. He's waiting for me to quiet myself, separate from other voices. Sometimes I got to separate from my own voice. I got to separate from myself. I've got to quiet myself, quiet my mind, get in a place of critical, laser-focused attention. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? The more critical the decision, the more separated and quiet you have to get the distractions around you. You got to shut out other voices. I heard someone say one time that confusion is the result of too many voices. Confusion is the result of too many voices, which implies that clarity comes as a result of focusing on one voice. Clarity. Anybody need clarity right now? Anybody need some clarity? Anybody need to see through the fog, see through the lenses? Hey, I want the Holy Spirit will even help you discern other people's intentions. That's a big one because things on the surface look one way, but then you find out there was ulterior motives. There were other agendas. And do we not need to know that right now? Do we not need to know what is the agenda you're pushing? What is the narrative you're following? What are you really trying to say? What are you really trying to get at? Right? I mean, I was just talking with a pastor friend of mine up in the Atlanta area and, and, I don't even remember how we got on. He was supposed to have a conference later this year. Supposed to have a living faith crusade. And he's like, I don't even know if I can have the, the living faith crusade. I, can't, I don't even know if I can have the Hagans come into my church because we have all these restrictions. I said, what restrictions? He's like, well, we're not, we, we can't gather more than 50 people. I said, who said? Because we're in the same state. And your county can't do something different than my county. We're in the state of Georgia. And our governor has given one thing. We were just talking about this the other night. Well, it says you can only have no more than 50 people. I said, look at the term gathering. 
define the term gathering. What's the term gathering mean? Gathering means when you cannot, when, when, when you are forced to keep people within six feet of one another. Now, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about it, and I don't care. Can't do anything. Y'all live together. Y'all don't. Y'all don't. I, you can't do anything. But if you're in a Chick-fil-A, you know the second they open those doors, everybody's going up in that place. Ain't no, this is the line. Tired of that drive through Tired of the curbside, whatever. Everybody will go inside. No, you look up the definition. You got to read the print. I've, I've had to study the executive order. It comes out like every two weeks. I look at it every two weeks. I'm reading through it. Anything changed? Nowhere in there does it say that you cannot gather. You got to read. And so I'm telling him. And so, you know, but, but he's, he said, I'm just, I'm struggling with all this. Our church, we're trying to open. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. I said, who's telling you you can't? He's like, well, what would you do if you were in my shoes? I said, let me tell you what we're doing. I, t- I am in your shoes. I'm there. I might not be in your territory, your area, your demographic, your city, your county. I, I, don't, I don't have all that, but I can tell you what I'm doing. Number one, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. If he tells me to shut the doors, we're shutting the doors. Guess what? I'm going to follow what the Holy Spirit said. But I'm also not going to be moved to fear. Well, do you require this? Do you require that? No. I don't. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on it. But it, I, I'm not going to question your choices, so don't question mine. Right? But the thing is, is we're not, tu- we're not tuning out the distractions. On the surface, there's a certain agenda that people want you to believe. And I, I don't... I don't get super deep into this stuff. You're not going to get much out of me in a conversation. I keep it very, but, but today it's mass. What will it be tomorrow? When are they going to say, you can't, you can't shop here unless you do such and such, unless your kids do such and such, unless you accept such and such. I'm just saying it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. There's certain things, there's certain movements, and the Holy Spirit will reveal even people's intentions and motives. The Holy Spirit will show you those things. There will be people that will come to you that will look like on the surface they have your best interest at heart, but they don't. There's something else they're trying to get at. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. In the latter times, people will fall away. They will depart. They will give themselves, give heed to doctrines of demons, to deceiving spirits. So how do I stay away from those deceiving spirits? I have to align with what the Holy Spirit is saying. Study and know the word of God. Number two, shut out distractions. Get rid of contending voices. The Holy Spirit's not gonna yell over our stuff. And number three, the most important one, quickly obey. Quickly Don't make the Holy Spirit say it five times. That's what I tell my son. Don't make me say it five times. Obey the first time. But here's what happens. See, if my son doesn't hear me the first two or three times, he will hear me. His butt will hear me. (laughs) Your ears might not, but I get your attention another way. But the Holy Spirit, you know what he'll do? 
it'll just begin to wane and it'll become harder and harder to hear the Holy Spirit. And then you'll have to do all the more work to get back. You know how many times the Holy Spirit's throwing up red flags? Don't go there. Uh, Don't do that. Don't respond to that. Don't say that. Don't do this. Man, he's, he, he, that, that's what he's designed to do. He's leading us and he's guiding us. And every, we're, we're on this path following him. And we're like, oh, rabbit. And we go over here. And he's like, no, 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 back over here, back over here. And we're like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm following. Follow. And if I'm going to follow, then I have to quickly yield myself and submit myself The Bible does tell us, 1 Thessalonians tells us, that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. That word grieve uh, is, is the word extinguish, as if there was a flame and then you blew it out. You, that, that action is on our part. The Holy Spirit doesn't just go, you know what, you're not listening anymore. He's there. The question is, have we not given him the attention and then have we not responded quickly. He's going to keep doing his job. He's going to keep doing what he is supposed to do for you and I. Jesus said he will abide with you forever. He's not going anywhere. But we have to yield ourselves to his voice and to his plan. Being born of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.